Happy Easter, and thank you for joining us. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Gathering Church at Home Easter edition from our family to yours. Eleanor, say good morning. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> we, we know that this is not the usual way that we celebrate Easter. It's different for our family too, but we're so excited just to be able to use technology to still come together and worship on this day. Everything that this day means, it means whether we are together or apart, we cannot wait to be back worshiping with you in person. If, if it's your first time joining us, normally we meet at T.C. Robertson High School on Sunday mornings and uh, in Asheville, North Carolina. But right now, we're meeting in living rooms and bedrooms and kitchens and, if we're honest, probably some bathrooms all over our city and all over our state and all over the world. And so today we're united in celebration and we're united in worship. We, we believe that the same spirit that lives in me lives in you. And so we come together to celebrate the most important day in history uh, and to do it as one. And so let's pray as we worship the one who is risen today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are alive, that you've done what you said you would do. We worship you, God. We honor you today. We, we, we are so grateful for all that you've done for us. We place every moment in your hands. We trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being with us, sweetheart. Why don't you go play? We are all learning how to work from home with our kids around, aren't we? Isn't that a part of life right now? Well, today is Easter Sunday, and I would like to just take a moment to tell this story and remember what this day is all about. Today, we celebrate the day that Jesus walked out of the grave. On Friday, he took the punishment for all of my sins. On Saturday, he was dead and in the ground. And on Sunday and forevermore, he is alive. And on that day, that beautiful Sunday morning, he didn't just resurrect his body, he resurrected hope. I know it's hard to see that right now. I know that in this moment we're in, that the world seems more broken than ever before. The world that Jesus came into was broken as well. The first followers of Jesus may have lived in a very different world than you and I, but they were feeling many of the very same things that you and I are feeling right now. The disciples were feeling uncertainty in that season. Lately, I keep waking up with this feeling of drifting, of being untethered, like, like a boat that somebody forgot to tie up. You know what I mean? It's a lot easier to endure a hard time when you know when it will end and when you know what the end will look like. But right now, I don't know how or when this present crisis will end. How many people are going to lose work? How, how long can our economy endure? How many people are going to get sick? How many people are going to die? Is it going to affect any of the people that I love and care about? How many people are starving right now in my community without access to food? How many doctors and nurses are nearing burnout as they work countless hours without enough resources? Uncertainty. It's a feeling that brings on anxiety and worry, and it is a feeling that many of us are experiencing every single day during this pandemic. It's a feeling that the disciples felt as well before the resurrection. 
They felt it in general in the world that they lived in. They were living in very uncertain times. Since long before any of them were born, the once proud nation of Israel was under Roman occupation. Foreign soldiers patrolled the streets and everyone paid taxes to Caesar. They felt uncertainty about the paths they were choosing. They had given up everything to follow Jesus and on some days they were sure that was the right decision. On other days it was hard to know. But on those final days, that Friday night, that Thursday night in the garden when Jesus was arrested, that Friday when He was on the cross, that Saturday when He was in the ground, they were filled with uncertainty about what would happen next. See, with Jesus gone, nothing seemed certain anymore. They felt uncertainty. They also felt unrest. The people of that season felt as much unrest as the people in our world or more. For many of the same reasons, many of them felt dissatisfied with life. They wanted freedom for their people. They wanted purpose for themselves. They wanted to honor God, but the two options at the time to worship were with the Pharisees or with the Sadducees. And the Pharisees presented them with hundreds of laws to follow that they could never quite meet up the standards to. And so they never felt like they were good enough or they never felt able or worthy to enter into the presence of God. The Sadducees, on the other hand, didn't believe in a resurrection. That means they didn't acknowledge any kind of afterlife. They wanted people to follow laws not to have a relationship with God or to enter into His presence one day, but rather so that God wouldn't smite them or send plagues and famine. Unrest lived in the hearts of people. It lived in the heart of Matthew, the tax collector, the man who took money from his fellow Jews and gave it to the Romans. He felt guilt. He felt pressure. He felt emptiness that money didn't fill. And he felt unrest. Unrest lived in the heart of Simon the Zealot. He was a part of a radical group of anti-Roman terrorists. They led small rebellions and attacks against the Romans and fought for a free Israel. Unrest lived in the heart of Peter and James and John and Andrew, fishermen who felt like they were meant for more. Maybe you feel unrest. Unrest right now, unsure of, of what is going to happen in the future. Unrest about where you are in life. Unrest about what's happening in your home, what's happening in your heart right now. Maybe you feel dissatisfied. Maybe you have an agitation inside of you about all that's going on in the world. Maybe you have a desire inside of you to do something about it, but no ability to act on it. The world felt it then too. It felt unrest and it also felt fear fear. I think there is an underlying fear permeating, permeating our whole society right now. Maybe the whole world. Wow. To think that at this moment in history, all of humanity is united in feeling the same thing, and that thing is fear. You can see it in the eyes of others when you make necessary trips to the grocery store. You can hear it in the voices of loved ones as you check in on each other. You can feel it in the conversation while you watch the news. We are afraid. Afraid of the unknown. Afraid of getting sick. Afraid of dying. Afraid of people that we love dying. We're afraid of losing our jobs, our livelihoods, our way of life. We're afraid of losing life the way that we knew it, the way that we know it. We're afraid of 
wondering when things are going to go back to normal again. We're afraid of this moment where we don't have any answers that we so desperately long to, long for. We have fear, but there was fear in the world of Jesus as well. Fear in so many ways. They lived in a world with no antibiotics, no vaccines, no antiseptic, no anesthesia. There was fear of getting hurt or sick in a world where there was nobody to help. They had fear of the Romans, these invading people with all their soldiers and all that power. And on that Thursday, when Jesus was arrested in the garden, there was fear. Jesus felt fear. I wonder, does it comfort you to know that even the one who could see the way that things would end felt fear? He felt fear in that moment. There was fear in his disciples. They were asking, where are they taking him? Where's he going? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen now? What about the future he promised? What about the kingdom he promised? What's going to happen to me? They became afraid. There was fear in the upper room as they got word that Jesus was being led to the cross. There was fear on Friday as Jesus walked the road to the place where they crucified people. The place of the skull, Golgotha, Calvary. There was fear the moment that Jesus gave up his spirit and the earth shook and the sky turned black and blue. There was fear on Saturday, a day of silence. All that they had hoped for was in the ground. What would they do now? How would they go on? What would they, what would they do? Maybe what they really felt through all of this was an emptiness. Do you know that feeling? Just a gaping hole inside that we, we fill it up with all this uncertainty and all this fear and anxiety and unrest. We pour it into this emptiness that we feel inside because we don't know what to cling to. And it's not limited to their world. We're way too familiar with this kind of emptiness. Maybe long before the pandemic hit, you felt like something was wrong, something was missing. Maybe you felt empty. And maybe this present moment has just amplified it and taken away all the ways that you used to distract yourself from it. I know that you felt fear because I felt it too. But then, on Sunday morning, an angel showed up and said, Do not be afraid. I have come to bring good news this morning. And church, I want you to know that I've come to bring good news for you today. Jesus is alive. And when he came back from the grave, he didn't just resurrect his body. In a moment, on a Sunday morning, Jesus resurrected hope and he is resurrecting hope still today. Maybe you thought hope was dead and in the ground. Maybe all you could see in your world was fear and uncertainty and unrest. Maybe that's all the disciples could see on Saturday. But listen to me. Saturday is over and Sunday is here. What was once dead and buried is now alive and well. Jesus is alive and he has resurrected hope. And Jesus is still alive today. And so hope is still alive today. 
Let me read you this story in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. It says this, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and he sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said he would do. Come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Now I have told you. In verse 8 it says, So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. They were afraid, yet filled with joy. In other words, they didn't understand what was happening. They didn't know what the future held. But for the first time in a long time, they had hope. Hope for the future. Hope for today. Hope for eternity. Jesus is alive, and that means everything that He said was true. It means He he has life in mind for me, abundant life in mind for me. It means that He's made me new, that He is still making me new. It means that He's taken away all of my sin and my shame, and it means I have hope. On Saturday, they felt empty and the tomb was filled. But on Sunday, they were filled and the tomb was empty. They were filled. They were filled with expectation. They were filled with expectation instead of uncertainty. The world outside was the same. Just as broken, just as changing, But they were different because Jesus had beaten death just as He said He would do. And if He was telling the truth when He said that He would die and come back to life, that means He was telling the truth about everything. Like in John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, when Jesus is sitting at the Last Supper with with His followers, He says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in Me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. He said that He was going to make it possible for us to enter into His presence and ask that all the great things that He did during His time of ministry that His followers would do even bigger things. And so we're filled with expectation. We are expectant, expectant that even though there is uncertainty in the world around us, it is our job to keep up the work of Jesus, to keep showing people love and kindness, and to keep leading people to redemption and freedom. And we, as the people of God, we pray in expectation that when we ask something in the name of the resurrected Jesus, He will do it. We are no longer slaves to uncertainty. We are filled with expectation. Expectation for what God is going to do next. Expectation 
for the church to rise again. Expectation for stories of hope and redemption and life change to come out of this pandemic. I am filled with expectation for every opportunity I will be given during this and after this to share the love of Jesus with as many people as I can. And I will keep doing that now in this moment and beyond because we are not just filled with expectation. Because of Jesus, we are filled with power. John spends one-fourth, five out of 21 chapters of his gospel telling about what happened from Thursday night on. He details these conversations that Jesus had with his disciples at the Last Supper. And on that night, Jesus told his followers that after he was resurrected and then ascended into heaven, there was another coming called the Holy Spirit. Jesus called him the Advocate, the third part of the nature of God. And that spirit of power was going to live in us and be with us forever. Jesus put so much emphasis on how important it was that the Advocate was coming, that this Holy Spirit was coming to dwell within us, that He said these words in John chapter 16. He says, Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Jesus, this is a pretty big deal. Because Jesus thought it was better for us that He be gone so the Holy Spirit could be here. If you follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. So you have access to the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. And on that day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell and came to His disciples. And He's here right now, today. His power is in me. And if you follow Jesus, His power is in you. And so I don't have to live in fear any longer. On the days I feel most alone, most helpless, and most afraid, I am reminded by the Holy Spirit who lives in me that I am never alone, that He is my helper, and that I do not have to be afraid. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, He did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You have power available to you. Easter means that you have access to power. I know you might feel powerless right now in this situation. You might feel powerless against this virus and everything that's happening in our world. And maybe you are. Maybe you are powerless against this virus and the economy. But there is more than this virus to have victory over. And so lean into the one who has rescued you and made you new and trust in the power of His Holy Spirit this season. Trust in His power to change your heart and your life, to take what was once empty and make you feel full, to find the pieces of you that were broken and hurting and alone and help you to feel whole again, to experience joy, to be placed back together, to find freedom and start a new part of your life beyond all this mess that's happening in our world today that is so much bigger than this current moment we are living in. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. Rely on His power in this moment. And finally, because Jesus is alive, we are filled with hope. We are filled with hope. The disciples' circumstances weren't changed by the resurrection. They were still living in an occupied country. 
They were still living in a world without medicine. The Pharisees and the Sadducees still controlled the temple. If anything, their circumstances were a little bit more dangerous and difficult. They became hunted and wanted by both the Jewish leaders and the Roman government. Their circumstances weren't changed by the resurrection, but their perspective was. They didn't have to try and earn access to God anymore. It was given to them. They didn't have to make their sins right. Jesus did it for them. They weren't alone anymore. The Holy Spirit would guide them. And it wasn't just about this life anymore. They knew that because Jesus beat death one day, that they would too. And there would be no more pain, no more brokenness, no more sickness, and no more death. So they were filled with hope. Sometime later, the disciple called Peter wrote these words about hope. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know what that means, a living hope? It means it can't die. It means that it's something that's always growing and changing inside of you. He died and came back to life again so that you would have access to a new kind of hope. Not the kind of hope the world offers you. Not the kind of hope that is fake, that only lasts for a moment and then disappears. No, it is a living hope. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to have had had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Peter's life didn't get just easy after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. He went through all kinds of bad days, all kinds of scary moments where the world was uncertain, but he still had a living hope inside of him, and so can we in this season. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though it's refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We are going through a hard season. All the whole world, all around the world, people are going through a difficult cultural moment right now. We are going through a season of sickness and pain and loss, grieving and mourning of all different kinds. But Jesus is still our living hope. What He's done for us still stands. He's still changing us. He's still doing the work. And on the other side of this, He will get the glory because He always gets the glory. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy Joy, there's that word again, afraid and yet filled with joy. Maybe as you run from the tomb today, you are afraid and yet filled with joy. It's okay to still have some anxiety about what the coming days will bring. It's okay to feel some uncertainty about what's going to happen next. That's okay. We are afraid and yet filled with joy. We don't know what's going to happen in our world, but we know who still sits on the throne. We know who is sovereign. We know who is going to get the victory. He is our living hope. And so we're filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For we are receiving the end result of our faith, the salvation of our souls. On Easter Sunday, Jesus resurrected hope. Hope for you and for me. 
Hope for the disciples. Hope beyond this present crisis. Hope beyond the pain you were feeling before all of this started. And hope that will persist long after all of this is over. If you're here today, if you're watching with us and you've never experienced that kind of hope, maybe you stumbled across our feed or our video this morning or Maybe you normally walk into a church on Easter Sunday and so you're trying the whole online thing. Or maybe you've been with us for a while, but you've never experienced this hope. And you're tired. You're tired of the uncertainty and, and the unrest and, and the fear. If that's you, then I, I want you to know that you don't need a sanctuary to enter into the greatest relationship you will ever be in. You don't need a room filled with people in order to make the decision that will change your eternity. If you would like to enter into a relationship with the resurrected Jesus right now, it's so simple. Because there's this simple spiritual pathway that we can walk down. And the first step is to know God. The first step is to enter into a relationship with Him. You can enter into a relationship with Jesus and receive His living hope exactly who you are, as you are, where you are right now. He doesn't say you got to get your life right first. He doesn't say you got to go and, and, and make sure you check off all these boxes first. No, the first step is to make the decision to follow Him. And then, your church, we want to come alongside you to help you find freedom and discover your purpose and make a difference and live a life fulfilled. And so if that's you, if you're ready to make that first step here today, every head bowed, every eye closed. Church, would you pray for everyone praying this prayer with me right now, out loud, right wherever you are? Just pray this prayer with me if you're ready to make that decision today. Jesus, thank you for conquering the grave. Thank you for making a way for me to come to you. I worship you today and I give you everything that I am. Forgive me for trying to do this on my own. Forgive me for every sin and mistake I've made along the way. I need you. I give my life to you today. Everything that I am from this moment forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. If you just made that decision, would you do me a favor? I, I want to be able to come alongside you in this moment. We believe that our next steps should be taken together, not alone. And so we've made it possible for you to fill out an online connect card so that a member of our team could reach out to help you determine your next steps. Fill out one of those connect cards right now. Let us know that you made a decision to follow Jesus and somebody in our team would love to communicate with you and connect with you about what you can do next. We're also here if you would love to uh, give us prayer requests, put those on that connect card. If you would like to say, you know what, today I'm taking a new start in following Jesus. Mark on that connect card that you're recommitting your life and we will help hold you accountable to taking those next steps. Uh, uh, now what I want to do is something really special. We're going to have communion. On Thursday night, before Jesus would be arrested and crucified, he had a supper with his followers and during that meal he took what was an ancient tradition and he changed its meaning. He told them as he broke the bread, this is my body which will be broken for you. And as he passed the wine he said this represents my blood that's poured out for you and whenever you do this do it in remembrance of me. 
And so today on Easter Sunday, what I want to do is in homes all across our city or our country, the world with you right now is have this communion, this ancient ceremony where we as followers of Jesus remember what he's done for us and what it means for us, the freedom that it means, the way that it made us new, the way that his broken body made us whole again, the way that his blood poured out made us washed whiter than snow. And so get, go gather whatever elements you've got. I got a slice of bread here. Go get some Oreos and milk if you need to. Uh, if you got bread and wine or bread and grape juice, use that, but it just doesn't matter. What matters is that we break some food together and remember as a church, as a family, what Jesus has done for us. And so if you have your elements now, take the bread and we eat the bread to remember his body that was broken for us. Mm. Next, take the cup and make sure that everybody has their own cup in this season we don't want to share. And take the cup and, and it represents his blood that was poured out for us. And so we take the wine and we pray. Heavenly Father, we remember what you have done for us today. Your people, your church all around this place, all around this country, this city, this state. We honor you for what you've done. Thank you for breaking your body for us, Jesus, that we could be made whole. Thank you for pouring out your blood for us, Jesus, that we could be made new, that our sin could all be forgiven, that every mistake would be wiped away. We worship you on this Easter Sunday. We honor you. And in Jesus' name, we pursue you. We want more of you. We desire you. And we are united in our worship of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us here today. We just cannot wait to be back together with you again in person. But right now, We'll be right here at live.gatherashville.org or on Facebook Live next Sunday at 9.30 or 11. We'll see you then.